Hey friends, this is Holly Bame Lytle, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism in the Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's panel of exceptional autism parents. Topic is when parents limit and sh- or shelter their child with autism from reaching their full potential, and also conversely, when we are pushing our child with autism to potentially be something that is beyond what their capability is. And so, I am joined today with another amazing group of parents. Both moms and dads are participating in this particular group, so I think we'll get some interesting information. I'm just going to open it up and just ask. Is there an instance where you've fallen on one side of that or the other? I will just throw out because you know, I, so Holly Lytle Isaac Foundation, I've had two children with autism and my son Isaac was more of the lower functioning end of autism. And in that time frame, because he would be 15 now, our official diagnosis came at just two years old. I was still in the mindset that I was going to try and make him be like all the other neurotypical kids. So I wanted, by God, I was going to do everything in my power to make him fit into that round mold that all the other kids were. Because, you know, you go to the park, you see all of these families that are doing all of these family activities. And by God, come hell or high water, I was going to help him to be able to fit into that round little pig hole, even though he was a square. And that was really damaging, I think, to me, because then the disappointment when I couldn't quite achieve those things or even worse when parents um, would express to me that they didn't feel like Isaac had any business being in those environments. That was probably hands down the worst experience and um, traumatic parenting experience of my life. And when parents would actually express that, you know, this is not someplace where he should be. So now fast forward. Now I have Caleb who's high functioning autism. And he's now 10. And because of some of those experiences where I had kind of negative repercussions, I now probably don't push Caleb to be the best he could be. I probably do shelter him more and don't expect the same amount. I have found myself planning for him to live with me for forever. And because, you know, I just feel like the world is a cold, harsh place to be. And by God, I'm going to protect him from having to experience those things. So right or wrong, I have done both um, with tremendous amount of parent guilt and just checking myself a lot and trying to redefine what my expectations are. Am I asking too much? Am I not pushing him enough? And the answer is, I don't know. So, hey, what do you guys think? Because that's what the fam- that's what the autism tribe's all about, right? It's like, where are you on this topic? And like, you know, help square me away and give me direction. My name's Harm. I have a 19 year old daughter named Amy. And I, what I feel I've limited her, I think as time has gone on, you, you get a lot of mundane tasks and routines you get into with your child and you just expect to do it and how much they really pick up on and know how to do things that I just do. And as easy as making a, a sandwich, I, I make sandwiches or don't include her in making yes. dinner yes. or lunch. Yes. Um, and that actually just dawned on me because we do have a communication therapist and she kind of started integrating all that stuff. And Amy is 
very capable of doing all that. And it blew my mind, actually, when even just making a sandwich, you know, being involved. And I have limited her her to on doing that, um, along with tasks even about putting stuff away. I mean, she's very capable of, you know, putting her clothes back and putting clothes on. Sometimes it's not always right, but, but she makes the effort. And I sometimes feel I've restricted her for a longer period of time than I should have. And, you know, now I know. But, but it's not too late. No, it's not too late. And, you know, even communication, how much she picks up, like we have an iPad and we'll be having conversations. And it's just amazing now what she picks up on, like even sports. We, we were talking <laughs> about basketball and then she's, we'll chime in basketball or baseball. I mean, she's, she knows what we're talking about or if we're going now or not, but those are things I've overlooked and until recently and kind of taken for granted. So I'm glad now that I'm on that. I'm Tanya and I have an eight-year-old son with autism and when I kind of piggyback off that. So sometimes my child, I realize he's capable of more than I let him do. And sometimes I find that sometimes I get into the mindset, it's just easier for me to do it. Oh, yes, Amen to that. that. Yes. It's let just easier just for me to just yes. do it as opposed to like teaching him how to do it, even though he is completely capable of learning. Yes. It's just easier and quicker. I find that too. I'm Christine, my um, 11 year old son, Cameron, fairly high functioning. And I think sometimes, like you said, you get into a routine and you just, you just kind of do it. And again, it's easier and our lives are hard and busy anyways. So any place that I can make my life run a little bit more smoothly or quicker or easier, or I'm not spending a ton of time doing something. And, and so then you get, then you kind of feel that guilt. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, okay, I am doing this just because it's easier for me, not because it's right for my kid. And finding the balance between, okay, I really just need to get dinner on the table versus, okay, this is a really great teachable moment. Like I'm over, I am done with the teachable moments for the day. Right, yeah, I mean, and and so you find that it's hard to strike that balance. We noticed this because our ABA therapist uses the AFLs. If you don't know what the AFLs is, it's basically a tool that determines the level that your child functions at in terms of all of these different types of skills. And we are getting to the point now where we're beyond like the self-care skills and some of those. And and now we're into more of those like household independent living skills. So part of the AFLs has all of this. And as I'm going through and I'm evaluating my son, uh, you know, in, in these different skill levels, I'm like, he's 11. Why can't he put, I mean, at the very least, he can put toast in the toaster, but then, you know, as you said, Holly, the, um, he can burn the toast and set off the alarm and have the fire department showing up at my house because we've burned toast and we have an alarm system for that exact reason. So my kid doesn't burn down the house. So it's like, you know, catch 22. If I let him burn the toast, then we have the uh, fire department showing up because we have an alarm system to make sure that he doesn't burn the house down. So again, that whole balance, but I, I find that he can be taught to do these things and I need to be better about being selfish in my I want to just get it done and will teaching him this skill help him become more as he moves into his adulthood. So Cameron's doing the same thing. You you can put away your own laundry. Now, his underwear might be flopped out of the closed drawer, but he knows where it goes. I, I'm with you there on the folding cloth. I just spent a tremendous amount of time folding these things and it's been frustrating to me where I just have it to just let it go. Just the, let it yeah, go, Holly, like let it go. We can work on that. Let's just break it down step by step and we'll get the underwear into the correct drawer and then we'll make sure that it gets all 
all the way into the drawer so that the drawer, you know, and we've worked on putting clothes on hangers and, and hanging them up because these are all independent living skills. And so while it takes us 20 minutes to put laundry away, that would take me three. Hopefully at some point I won't be um, putting away my 30-year-old child's underwear in the right drawer in the right way. So, you know, really balance. Hi, I'm John and my kiddo Cooper, low-functioning. Um, and Harm brought up a really interesting point that sometimes we miss it, right? So an outside perspective, which happened to be my dad. My dad's been staying with us for a while now uh, with Cooper. And he has a lot of expectations for what Cooper can do. He's taught him to do a lot of things. And Cooper's, and I've said this before, is the only kid in the house that puts his dishes in the dishwasher and you know puts his clothes in the dirty clothes and things like this. But you know, my dad's expectation is my dad likes to do uh, reloading for long range rifle shooting. And he taught Cooper to reload bullets for him. And Cooper's good at it. And Cooper has an attention to detail that few do, which fits right into his personality, which is great. And if he'd have told me a week ago or a year ago or that this would have been possible, I'd have thought no way. But just like you said, uh, I think that sometimes it gives me a renewed sense of where they can be. And that outside perspective, I don't know, sometimes it comes in the form of family or somebody else is nice to hear once in a while. And you can kind of get a, a shot in the arm and kind of makes you want to go after it a little more. So currently I'm working on those life skill things. And that's, you know what, the more he can do for himself, the more he can do for himself. And you know, it's less time I have to spend doing it, of course. And so that's what I'm going to be pushing for his ABA therapist to start working on those life skills. Yeah. And it's there's a parent version of the AFOLs. I just looked it up because I couldn't remember what the acronym stands for, but it's the Assessment of Functional Living Skills. And it's amazing. It breaks down anything and everything, and it gives you a really good idea of where your child is at and the types of things that you can work on with them. It even, what's great about this particular assessment is that it breaks it down. So like when you score your child on a, say, a, a, a scale of zero to four, zero means they just can't do it all. But then it breaks down that one through four, what it might look like. So even if you have to start at that number one step, it helps you know how to break it down to teach them to do each one of those functional living skills. It's a phenomenal tool. So if you're looking at, hey, maybe we can look at how to expand the potential that our kid has and what might that look like, the AFLS is an amazing tool. Your ABA therapist should be able to get it. You can actually get it online if you want it, but it's an amazing tool. We are using it because I'm seeing things that even with Cameron, who's high functioning, that I can break down certain skills and get him to a point where he's at that, say, four, even though we're starting literally at a zero. So let me just put that out there, that it's it's an amazing tool for this kind of stuff. Well, then here's another question that I have is that when you're talking about kiddos that have that are more impacted by autism than others, you know, it stands to reason, too, that, you know, if we don't give them the opportunity to do some of these things, like I know, like when you're talking about Cooper, for instance, I, you know, have had some opportunity to be around Cooper, you know, for extended period of time. And one of the things that he does consistently really well, that almost becomes like obsessive compulsive is garbage. He will see garbage anywhere, pick it up, throw it away. And when the garbage is full, he likes to have somebody to help him tie it in a knot and take it out. And the thing about it is, is that I think he really actually enjoys, it gives him a purpose and things 
things for him to do. And so it's interesting because then you wonder whether or not giving them the opportunity to be able to use these skills to make a sandwich for themselves. Well, for me, it's like, oh man, if I could get somebody to make me a sandwich, I do that every day, all day long, you know, for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. But giving them the ability to have some of these skills probably is amazing. A sense of an accomplishment that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, because I caught myself one time saying, oh, Cooper, you don't have to take out the garbage. But then, you know, he is persistent. Nope. Like that is something I think he enjoys. Again, I think the having something to do and be good at, just like anybody else, but they don't have the language to be able to say, hey, you know, this is a sense of accomplishment. I like doing this while being repetitive. It feels good. I have something that I can do and be good at. You know, I don't think that, again, you're just so in the moment. You have it really is doing all of these things to take care of them. You wonder, what does that look like for them? I mean, I don't know if you guys have any input on that. Giving them the opportunities. So I find that in the past for Cameron, when Cameron was four, we tried a soccer group. To say that that did not go well is an understatement of epic proportions. I did it with Isaac, just so you know. It was terrible. It was terrible. And so we did not go back to any type of sport activity for my child until last year. Because it comes to, it's traumatic. Like I said, it it was, it was an epic failure. And now I'm going to get emotional because last year we actually started a couple of different sports programs and Cam has excelled. I mean, holy moly excelled. And I just think here comes the guilt part. Wow, we waited six years to get him back into a sport when maybe what we needed to do was just keep trying. And I think there's a season for some things too. I do. I, I really do. I I, I wasn't like, ready at that moment. He wasn't. he wasn't. At four, he wasn't ready. He he yeah, he wasn't ready at four. Um and last year, I mean, he's skating in a hockey group, he's doing downhill skiing, he's doing baseball. And doing it at a level that he looks fairly neurotypical. And it's amazing. And so I think, okay, while I feel a ton of guilt that we didn't do it before then, I'm just so thankful that because of different connections that we have, the new tribe that we have, that we've tried again, because it's been amazing. And it's so amazing for him. You talk about that sense of accomplishment, that sense of pride. Oh my gosh, my kid loves loves, loves, loves putting on his hockey gear. He loves it. He loves putting on his baseball uniform and he loves skiing and being part of his, shout out to Powderhounds, his Powderhounds ski group. And so, yeah, I I think that if you fail once, try, try again, because I think you can't ever know what the potential is going to be. Cameron is a prime example of that. Like, I just never, after the epic horror that was our first soccer experience, if if somebody would have told me at that point that he would excel and enjoy hockey, that he would excel and enjoy downhill skiing, that he would excel and enjoy baseball, I would have said, you people are out of your ever-loving minds. And yet it has been amazing for him, for our family, Like we get to watch him play baseball. We get to watch him downhill ski. We get to, like it's opened up so much for our family. Well, I think we, I think we, just to kind of piggyback on that, I wouldn't be, I mean, even though you took like a six year break, I wouldn't be hard on yourself. I think as parents, we, there's an evolution that you go through as a parent. And I mean, we're older, our kid's older and 
as times have changed, there's been more activities that are now available. Yeah, these um, were so, available yeah. when, you know, Amy was little or, you know, when Isaac was little, you know, so our only option was trying to plug ourselves into those the neurotypical, neurotypical stuff. programs yeah. that are not designed for our kids to be successful in. Right. And it's, it's good to hear that there's programs like that. And, then, you know, I think I was even thinking down the road, like there's a water therapy or a hydrotherapy that's for autism now. And, um, we, we should be, as she gets older, try to get her, plug her into more stuff, you know, that we, now we know she's very capable of doing. So, um, but you know, horse therapy, she loves, we're very fortunate with that. And that was there kind of at the beginning. So we've always stuck with that and she loves horses. There's a special connection anyway with the animals. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think you just keep growing every day and, Keep coming back, though, and keep, yeah. keep yeah. trying to figure out, you know, I think I've learned that never to, never to decide what his potential is. Yeah. Like, that was such a awakening moment that um, I, can't, I can't decide what his potential is going to be with sports. Yeah. I, I can't determine that for him because it's going to change mm-hmm. over time. And so that, that led me to think, okay... I need to have more ex- I need to determine whether or not I can have more expectations for his potential to put away his own clothes, to maybe do learn to do laundry, to learn to cook a meal for himself. And so that's helped us change our our goals for what we're what we're going to do. Um to just kind of see where his potential is going to be. I think even in this podcast from being here, um, it kind of points out how complacent you can get um, and just hearing other people's what's going on and what you can do um, is amazing. So I'm glad to be a part of this because uh, I don't certainly wouldn't, it wouldn't, you know, you always push that to the back of your mind. You're not really thinking about it. And it's brought that to the forefront for me. Which is so. what that tribe does, I think. You know, having that community of parents that... Mm-hmm have experienced the good stuff and the bad stuff, but also, you know. Um. Well, so last year I had the opportunity to watch the hockey team that you were talking about. And uh, so I thought, I didn't know what it was going to look like and, you know, how, you know, you think in your heart of hearts, you know, you watch hockey on TV. And you yeah. think, oh, great. Give how them is the hockey stick. <laughs> how is this going to be a good situation for my kiddo? But I'll tell you. Uh, Cooper is going to do it this year. He's going to try it. He's an athletic kid. He's he's a big kid, um, but uh, you know he. I think it's going to be interesting and it's going to be uncomfortable for me. And I think that's a lot of it too. Sometimes it's hard to push yeah. your kiddo out there when it's not something that you're comfortable with because you know I am cognizant of the other folks in a situation and I don't want to intrude on their their situation. Right? I mean I don't want to make it worse for them. So. Sometimes you get into that thing of thinking, well, you know, he's okay, he's, he's doing okay in the house, but really I've gotten to the point now where I want his life to be as sweet as possible and being involved in these things, uh, even in one little aspect of it, is going to be good for him. He, you know, I think he's going to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, his brother really has pushed the envelope as far as comfort goes and includes him in a lot of the things that he does. My oldest boy hunts and fishes a lot and so he has, you know, three of his buddies out on the boat. They go bass fishing, and Cooper's right there with him. Oh, and, he, and he's been awesome. catching fish. He likes it, yeah. He's been he's, catching fish. You know, if you had told me that he had taken the attention to do that, I'd have thought, no way. But yeah. he's watched his brother do it a thousand times, and, and he's like, you know, well, hey, I, I want to try that too. So 
I'm really kind of excited about this is the tip of the iceberg, I guess, with the hockey thing. So I'm really kind of encouraged to see how that goes. I mean, he's never probably going to play in the NHL, but I don't know. <laughs> you know, but we're not going to limit his potential. No. So there we go, <laughs> right? Go. Well, and when we talk about limiting potential, so like with Caleb, you know, he really idolizes his older brother, um, Tyler, who's 15 and has been playing football, tap of football, since fifth grade. Well, Caleb's in the fifth grade now, and I was trying to enroll him in flag football. And he's like, no, I want to wear the helmets and the pads. I want to, like, tackle people. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. We are not going to do that. Because in my mind, it's like you don't understand the plays well enough to be safe. And so it was really, really, really hard for me to sign those papers and hit that, like, you know, like official sign-up registration online, allowing him to play tackle football. And... You know, I, it's, okay, so it's way beyond my comfort zone. I, I'm scared. However, uh, so I spent a lot of time making, um, like, uh, cue cards for all of his coaches about, you know, when you tell my son, run, you need to be specific. You need to tell him, run faster. Because in his mind, he is running. Mm -hmm. You need to tell him what, what your expectation is of, you know, if you want him to run faster, you know, like, show him. Um, usually, you know, like, have, never have him be the very first person doing a drill. He needs to see it done at least by three other kids before mm -hmm. you ask him to do the same drill. Because he can do it, but he's watching what the other kids are doing to know what to do. And when you're showing him a play, have it be the diagram of the play so he can see, this is you, Caleb, and you're running straight forward, and then you're cutting to the right. Don't just say, we're going to run the blah, blah, blah. Um... And I gave every single one of these um, coaches the cue card because I don't know where he's going to be and who's going to be coaching him primarily. And, you know, it has still, it, I wouldn't say that, you know, he's not going to be on WSU's, you know, like starting lineup. But the thing is, is again, it's like, oh, okay, you know, he's wanted to do it. He wants to be part of the team. He wants to do some of the things his brother is doing. And, you know, is it going to be at the same level as Tyler? No. Um, another thing, too, is um, he wanted to play a musical instrument. And um, I'm like, okay, let's figure out the easiest one. Um, but I had to check myself because that the easiest one isn't necessarily the one that he had his hopes and dreams playing. So mm -hmm. I am proud to tell you that Caleb is playing the trombone. Um, <laughs> and he's doing it in the, in the band at school. And he is struggling because when everybody plays at the one time it is very hard for him and he spends a lot of his time covering his ears instead of playing his trombone. Mm -hmm. So we are troubleshooting this. I don't know where it's going to go. Your place. Yes. Well, and that's what we sent him with his noise canceling headphones and mm -hmm. then had to explain to the band teacher, you know what, here's the thing. He will not wear them during the instruction part, but during the time where everybody's practicing, if you could allow him to wear these noise canceling mm -hmm. headphones so that he can practice his trombone but not have to cover his ears the whole time, that would be special. Mm -hmm. Um, how that's going to play out, I don't know. But I'm trying. I'm doing my best to like be like that. You're not limiting his potential. I'm not limiting his potential, <laughs> but I'm loving it every moment of every day. Hey, is he loving it? He, but that's just it. It's like, you know what, we're being able to check some of these things off so that mm -hmm. I, it's that, okay, the parent guilt on the other side of it is, you know, okay, I have to allow him to, like, try it and fail at a few things. Mm -hmm. and just So that he understands that, yeah, you know, I tried it. It's not really my thing. Yeah. I don't want to do it. Now, if he decides, oh, um, no, but I think I'm going to, I am the best trombone player in the world and I want to keep at it, I'm going to do my best to try and support that. You know, another area that I'm struggling with, too, is just that, um, you know, he wants to dress himself. 
And I struggle with that because, you know, again, wanting him to fit in as much as possible is hard for me to do. And so um, I, I, I'm really still struggling with that one because he's wanting to dress himself and it's not looking super awesome. <laughs> but, um, and again, trying to socially, you know, like have him be as close to his peers. So that is a daily struggle for me even too. And I'm not going to tell you I'm winning that one because I will still be like, hey, you know what, let me just fix a few things. Mm -hmm. And then... We'll have to compromise on a few of the other, but it's a work in progress. So I'm not saying I'm, being, I'm perfect at it, but um, I don't know. What do you say to that other than... Cameron doesn't care, so I don't, I, we, so don't, we don't fight that struggle. Lucky. It's interesting when he dresses himself, what he comes up with, because, I mean, he'd wear his pajamas all day, every day, if That's I'd let good. him. Yeah. Um, but, you know... I mean, yesterday it was, we were busy, so I said, you need to just go get dressed. And he actually did pretty good. Like, I, I think... shoe choices that bother me the most. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. It's shoe choices. But, you know, where I just, again, I'm trying to let things go. And the other thing, too, is I also feel like, you know, if my neurotypical 15, 14, 15, no, 14 year old. Sorry, I have a couple of teens, but... Um, he just doesn't care what anybody thinks about, you know, what he wears, how he does things, and consequently, you know, he's kind of almost that cool kid because he doesn't care. And so then I'm like, you know, maybe there's something to be said in the autism world too, is, is that when Caleb doesn't care, um, mm -hmm. and he can just be himself, like, you know, let it go. So it's a, it's a struggle for me. We are going to wrap up this particular podcast, Autism Wild podcast. Thank you guys for coming. I always think it's so much fun to hear kind of the perspectives and the journeys that everybody has because, again, um, you know, you are not alone in this journey and there's not a right or wrong way of where to be. Um, I think just, you know, as long as you're learning and putting your best foot forward, that is um, fantastic. So we will end here and hope you come back and catch another Autism in the Wild podcast in the future. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.